Hey everybody, welcome to Media Review Pod, a variety podcast of discussions, opinions, and interviews focusing on the entertainment side of media. My name is Richard Santiago, and today we have a double whammy because we'll be talking about two movies directed by Academy Award winner Sam Mendes. The first one will be 1999's American Beauty, written by Alan Ball, and we'll end with a discussion of the movie 1917, written by Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Cairns. As always, you can tweet at us using the Twitter handle at MediaReviewPod and the hashtag MediaReviewPod. You can send us an email at MediaReviewPod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. And you can also leave a voicemail by calling 407-603-5847. Also, if you are liking what you are listening to and the content that we put out, please, please rate and review the show by going to our Apple Podcast page and leaving a five-star review. And this helps us to get noticed, hopefully get more listeners and all that good stuff. My guest today is a Media Review Pod veteran from last year who graced our digital airwaves during our discussion of the movie Roma. Back with us is artist and filmmaker Leonora Ansaldua. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes. Uh, hopefully it wasn't too bad the last time we did this, right? <laughs> Otherwise, it was pretty fun. <laughs> I doubt you would have agreed to do it again. So um, I'm hoping to have a lively discussion with you here. It's always good to talk to you. Okay. So you know that we were trying to do this. Well, I was trying to do this last weekend, but you were up in the mountains of Utah playing with the snow and hopefully watching some movies, right? I was, yes. All right. Well, can you, can you tell me a little bit about that aside from freezing uh, your butt? <laughs> it was pretty cold. Um, although most of the time was not too bad. It was, you know, thirties and forties it, it dipped and we got a snowstorm okay. at the very end, but, um, we stayed fairly warm with the help of some hand warmers. Um, I saw a few movies. I got to see, um, Rodrigo Garcia's, um, new film for good days, okay. which, um, is about a mother and daughter's relationship and the daughter is uh, addicted to opioids uh, Mila Kunis plays the daughter and Glenn Close is the mother and it's about them trying to get through a week of sobriety so that the daughter can get a shot to uh, prevent her from getting high okay. um, that way she can actually get over her addiction um, it's very very strong performances interesting movie uh, Mila Kunis is great and very um, topical by the way yeah, um, I got to see The Glorias uh, by Julie Taymor, which um, has some very redeeming uh, parts and also has some challenges, Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and lastly, the jury award winner, Minari, is uh, a really sweet family drama about a Korean-American family that moves to Arkansas. Um, and the husband has this idea that he's going to sell Korean vegetables from, from a family farm. So he, he sets out to create a family farm and it's just about the tension that that creates in the family and then about how they overcome it as a family. And it's, it's excellent. It's just a fantastic film. Okay, great. Well, sounds like a, like a really nice lineup. Um, yeah. Did any of those movies get distribution or were they bought? I actually didn't look it up, but I am pretty sure all of them will. Um, 
Rodrigo Garcia's and Julie Tamar's because they are known mm-hmm. and uh, Minari because it won the jury prize and, and is such a great little film. So if they haven't yet, I have no doubt that they will. Okay, cool. Did um, you bunk up with somebody over there? I did. Uh, some. Because um, I know it's always a hassle to get lodging over there mm-hmm. during the festival. Yeah, um, I was fortunate that um, Rhodes, who is a woman that I know from USC who's a fantastic director and screenwriter Mm -hmm. um, arranged for a group of women that she works with uh, to head over there together. So we got a little cabin, a little ski lodge cabin and um, we're able to split the cost and make it a little more affordable. (laughs) Nice. Now I follow you on, on social media and I always appreciate how you bring forward social issues that uh, you feel are, um, or, uh, I don't know, you feel passionate about them. And you, you do yeah. this uh, through pictures. And um, talking about your trip to Mexico, where you were highlighting several things like mm-hmm. the uh, public education and the disappearance of the 43 students in 2014. Yeah. Um, and most recently, the Women's March in Los Angeles, which I know that in the past year or so has had some con- controversies. Uh, yeah. but I know that this year it kind of moved forward and, and everybody's kind of okay with it now <laughs> uh, they have a new board. So, um, what, what was that like? Um, it was really exciting, you know, um, my attendance and photographing of the women's March started in 2017 with the first women's March. Mm-hmm. And in that year I did a personal project where I photographed a lot of protests, um, Mostly because it helped me feel like I was doing something mm-hmm. uh, by sort of highlighting the the dissent um, in in our society, and so I made that a year long project and have gone back every year to shoot the women's march and have shot a couple of scattered protests here and there in in the subsequent years. Um, this year's Women's March had a lot of energy, um, and it, it is really nice to be with a bunch of people who are quite impassioned about human rights and justice. Um, it did have a bit of uh, a bit more counter protesters than we've had in the past, um, but they certainly didn't um, didn't bring down the the positive vibe for the whole march, um, and we had some great speakers and even seal came and performed a few songs he i think he sang three songs it was really incredible um that he offered so much of his artistry to just uplift the crowd Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now uh, are you planning on putting all these pictures together as a as a separate project um like a like a compilation of all these protests i'm still deciding what to do with them i may make a book um, of them, of the sort of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also thought about, and, and just don't, haven't quite had the labor power to do it, um, putting them on different products and selling the products as fundraisers for different causes. So say an immigration march might um, have products that raise funds for Raises Texas and, and kind of help with getting children reunited with their families and things like that. Okay. Um, so one day when I can have an assistant, that's <laughs> what she will be doing. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what I, what I like, and, and I, I'm, I'm probably digressing here a little, is that you're there documenting what's going on 
but you you also take your time to frame your shots and to choose specific symbols of mm-hmm. uh, a message that you want to bring forward and, and it can be raw and sometimes blunt or very subtle and and very generalized so mm-hmm. if you do that book uh, i might be interested yeah. <laughs> well thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it's the the marches tend to protests tend to get repetitive in terms of the way things go and so i do try to make an effort to check out things that might be overlooked by someone who's only looking at sort of the, the loudest or most exciting thing that's happening right right now are you still doing those portraits you were doing last time um i did portraits i did um headshot sales all through last year. Um, I've actually been on a break the last month or so because I've, I've gotten some work doing, um, a series of short documentaries for a website that is going to be launching halfway through this year. And we're trying to get through a bunch of content to have on the website when it is launched. And so it's taken, quite a bit of my time and I haven't been able to carve out the day that I need in order to do the sale, but I'm hoping to um, offer one in either February or March and, and might have to slow down the numbers number of sales this year, but I do very much enjoy them and I like being able to offer uh, an affordable headshot for people who just don't have the money to spend for a full session. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And when are these uh, shorts coming out? The website right now is slated to launch in June of this year. Okay. Um, I'm not quite yet at liberty to disclose the name of, <laughs> okay. of the website. Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> but next time I see you, I'll let you know. All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. So so uh, changing gears here, The this weekend is Oscar weekend. Actually, for me, let me see. What time is it? It's almost 12. So in a couple minutes, it'll be... Tomorrow for me will be Oscar Day, um, and not that I put too much importance in awards or, or anything like that, but you know I like I like to have a, a little friendly cinematic competition here and there. So, <laughs> have you seen any of the nominated movies? I've seen a couple of them, and I started a couple and didn't quite get through them. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, I, so which one? I'm curious. Uh, I did not. I I did not make it through the Irishman. Okay. Um. And I also didn't make it through Marriage Story for okay. different reasons. Um, Marriage Story, I just sort of felt so sad. Right. Uh, okay. And and you know just kind of knowing what was happening mm-hmm. and and watching these people who at one time loved each other sort of go in a slow motion destruction of each other yeah. was just um, hard to uh, to follow through with, especially because it was a Netflix film. And so I was watching it digitally and it meant that I was in my house and had to sit there <laughs> in my house watching this really sad thing happen. Whereas with 1917, I was stuck in a theater, so it was really, really sad, but I was still uh, okay. <laughs> I was still there and made it through. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I, I kind of yeah. get that from my story. Um, but you know what? And, and it's good that you're here because last time with Roma, my 
my one of my biggest issues with that movie is that I just didn't I wasn't into this whole slice of life kind of type of thing. It was just mm-hmm. eh, boring. Uh it's and, and I don't want to I don't want to retread this 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 <laughs> thing again. Um but that was that was one of my main things with that movie and the same mm-hmm. thing happened to me with Marriage Story. I mm. saw the whole thing. Um mm-hmm. And I saw it with my wife. And by the end, I don't know. It was just, I, I was I was hoping for something very moving and very cathartic. and But it was just, I'm just watching these, these two people going about their lives. And it's just, mm-hmm. it was a little bit boring for me. I have yeah. more to say about that movie aside from that. But that was, <laughs> that was... That was my biggest takeaway. Unfortunately, I, I would have loved yeah. to have liked that movie. It was just not my. It's pro- that's probably not my my thing. Th- those those type of movies are probably not my thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Um. What about what about Parasite? I have not unfortunately seen Parasite, okay. and I am really sad that okay. I haven't. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did adore Jojo Rabbit. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, cinema. And I was really, really excited that it got made. Um, okay, so the movies that I've seen, I've seen twenty seven, uh, twenty seventeen. I've seen nineteen seventeen. I've seen Parasite, Joker, The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Marriage Story. Mm. Now, out of all of those, I would say, um. The one I the one I really didn't didn't like was Marriage Story. The rest were mm. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- would you be okay making predictions, even though you haven't seen any of these? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I did see Little Women um, okay. also, uh, which I saw the whole thing, but didn't didn't think was best picture worthy. Okay, um, it, it had some script problems that i don't think it overcame okay um but you know I you, you jojo can, rabbit you can go with great. your gut you can go with your gut and yeah i think jojo rabbit is great but i don't think it will win i suspect it'll be 1917 or parasite okay um i think it would be great if parasite did win uh just because i love foreign cinema mm-hmm. and um i think it would be great to see a, a foreign film take best picture yeah um and i suspect it will really like it because i don't know anyone who doesn't (laughs) so uh so yeah for best picture my pick is parasite Mm -hmm. yes absolutely uh and i've seen 1917 and what's the other front runner the Irish? no not the irish that's it maybe once upon a time in hollywood Mm -hmm. um yeah it's i i i loved parasite it's uh and i have you have you read anything about it do you know anything about it i don't know much okay Um, okay good good (laughs) great fantastic and if you can if you can catch it in the cinema that'd be great it's worth it yeah 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 um okay so cinematography i think 1917 probably has a lock on cinematography okay i agree uh just because it's such a tremendous feat. Yeah. All right. And one more. Yeah. One more. Best director. Hmm. Oh, best director. <laughs> okay, you go first. <laughs> I'm I'm picking Sam Mendes. 
I'm picking Sam mm. Mendes for 1917. I think I think I would agree with that. Uh, again, because of the sort of technical feat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our official picks <laughs> for Oscars. <laughs> Not that we're any experts or anything like that. So don't bet on us. Don't bet on anything that we're picking here. Um, but anyway, we have it. We have it um, for eternity here on the podcast. We said it first before they aired on Sunday. All right. <laughs> All right. And and speaking f uh, of Sam Mendes, um, how about we dig into our first feature segment? Yeah. All right. So this is a discussion of American Beauty. So here's a brief synopsis of the movie from the Internet Movie Database. A sexually frustrated suburban father has a midlife crisis after becoming infatuated with his daughter's best friend. Now, before I forget, let me put out a spoiler warning because there will be spoilers for this 20-year-old film. Okay, so <laughs> if you are spoiler-averse, you can jump ahead to our spoiler-free discussion of 1917. And if you're still here... You've been warned. Okay, now, <clears throat> you know how people always have a thing that either changes their lives or or uh, or makes them see something that wasn't apparent to them before. Have you ever heard mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Well, I credit two movies with this. One, Jurassic Park in 1993, which just pushed me to seek out more movies and got me questioning how they were made. Hmm. The other one is American Beauty. Now, this movie came out right when I started college in a school that didn't have a film program. And I knew that I wanted to be involved in, in filmmaking, but I mostly saw it as a form of entertainment and, and nothing more. Mm -hmm. Um. And then in September or October, I don't, I don't remember when it came out, 1999, I stepped into that theater to watch what I thought was going to be a drama. It was just, just, I thought it was just a straight up drama. And that day, my feelings and thoughts about what cinema was and what it could do just completely changed. Um, now, as a kid, I, I always sucked uh, at art class. <laughs> I was, I, I, you know, the teacher always said, well, look at the lines. Don't you see the lines? They curve. And I tried. I tried to do perspective stuff. And I, I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, and I had all these <laughs> ideas. I couldn't, I couldn't draw. I couldn't paint. Um, and I could write about it. I could write about all these ideas that I had in my mind, but I just couldn't express them visually. Mm. And that was, it's still to this day is very frustrating because when I do storyboards, it's just me doing stick things and then explaining to people what they are because they don't even understand it. Um, but when I saw American Beauty, it was just, it, it opened up this whole thing for me. The symbolisms were ever-present from the beginning. The way the characters are lit, depending on what part of the story they are. Um, mm. The way the characters are developed and, and, and the way that they 
all had a twist at the end. The poetry of each shot, the editing, the music, it just pushed all the right buttons for me at that moment. And it showed me that movies were more than entertainment. They could be art. They could be a way to express yourself. And it was like a, like the flip of a switch. And I just mm. ate it all up. I got the original script as a gift. And I read it. And I reread it. I was trying to, figure, trying to figure out how to write one of these. Because I didn't take any uh, script classes. Not until later on in, 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 in college. Uh, but before I took those classes, I was just reading the script... Which, you know, at the time, it wasn't like I could get my hands on any script. This is 1999, and I live in Puerto Rico. So it wasn't like I could just go to the WGA library and pick a script to read. Um, so for me, this was, this was like, uh, like a blueprint of how to, how to write a script and how to construct a story. And... Um, with this movie, I learned what a dark comedy was. And I'm sure I, I had seen dark comedies before, but they weren't as apparent as this one. I, I had no idea what a dark comedy was until one of my teachers told me. Um, and, you know, when I was watching the movie in the theater, I was laughing, but I kept asking myself, should I be laughing at, at these this of this that I'm watching these either ridiculous or or insulting things um, it was funny but uncomfortable at the same time and I, 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 I don't know if do you know what I'm saying um, I don't know it was it was fascinating all of this was fascinating to me mm. um, and now going back to watch it again after several years I, I still see why, why I, I sort of gravitated toward it so much um, but I also understand why it hasn't aged well with others, <laughs> especially nowadays where there's, you know, more awareness of um, sexual abuse and harassment and sexual shaming. I mean, you know, I'm just going to say it right now because it's kind of like the elephant in the room when we talk about American Beauty. You know, this movie stars Kevin Spacey and... For our listeners, if, if if you've heard the synopsis and haven't seen the film, you probably know where we're going with this. You know, and it certainly doesn't help that in these last few years he's been involved in several sexual misconduct accusations. So, you know, watching this movie now with that in mind, it does color it in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I still admire his performance in this, I think. I think it was perfect for him. Um, and the way I see it, this this movie deals with the supposed perfect, quote-unquote, perfect suburban family in a, quote-unquote, perfect suburban neighborhood. But if we kind of look closer, like, like the film's tagline actually says, uh, we'll see that, you know, it's anything but. They have a dysfunctional family uh, uh, marriage. Uh, Jane, the daughter, basically hates them. Um, and she's very insecure. Her best friend presents herself as a super confident and, 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 and sexually awakened woman, but she's completely the opposite. Uh, the neighbors also have their issues with, you know, another sham marriage. 
and um and Colonel Fitz is a homophobe, but deep down inside he's gay. Um, and his son pretends to be this perfect citizen, but he's actually a drug dealer. Uh, you know, all these ironies might feel a bit trite today, but it, for me, it doesn't diminish what the movie was trying to get at when it came out. You know, it's a satire of suburban life, and it's also you know, kind of a reflection of who these people are deep down inside. You know, Lester is, he's, he's, he's doing his, his revenge against his wife and we're cheering on him because Carolyn hasn't been presented in the best light. She's the nagging wife whose uh, uh, professional career seems to be more important than her family. However, I think Lester is a terrible human being. <laughs> he, he reaches a point in his life where he doesn't even care about anybody. He just cares about himself. He doesn't even care about his daughter. Um, so, you know, going back to 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 s and, and watching American Beauty after 20 years, I still feel it's a beautiful film that reminds me why I love cinema so much. Um, and I'll go more into mm -hmm. details later on, but I just want to hear your take on this movie before we move forward. Mm. I was about the same age when it came out I, I think it was my freshman year in college mm -hmm. um and I I didn't actually watch it at the time but I very clearly remember my um sweet mates that I that I lived with in the dorm coming back from a um screening at the film society um and <laughs> okay. I remember asking one of them what the movie was about um and it was it was one of the young men who lived upstairs from us. And he said, oh, it's about suburban disaffection. And I cracked up because I was just like, oh, I'm in a different world now. Like I asked <laughs> what the movie was about and I got a thematic answer instead of a plot answer. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like, right. I go to school with nerds. Um, <laughs> and that is a very clear memory for me of the film. And I think I, I first saw it uh, a couple years later. And um, it wasn't quite as impactful for me as it was for you, but I did think it was really an interesting story. And I very much appreciated how it connected the, um, the idea of homophobia to a repressed fear of actually being something that you've been taught is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, this idea of connecting like that such um vitriolic hatred of something to self-hatred and something that must come from within you and you know this was discussed in this issue at a time when the social context was very different oh absolutely um and it wasn't it wasn't accepted you know people when they when they came out were afraid that they would be abandoned by their family and abandoned by their friends and they would have no community anymore which isn't to say that people who come out now all don't have that but many don't have the same experience mm -hmm. uh, because of the way that society has changed and and i thought it was a very poignant um story for that reason um I thought it was really interesting how they depicted um, Lester's perspective 
uh, on things. Uh, you know, the things that happened in Lester's imagination had such a different quality to them mm-hmm. than than the reality of the rest of the world, which is also beautifully shot. But I loved how the lighting and and the animation and the choices of the way the camera told the story um, instantly cued you that you were in his imagination. Yeah. Um, and I around the same time was also sort of coming to accept sort of this idea of, of telling stories with a camera as my, my calling, you know, and, and I didn't know at the time if it was going to be still photography or if it was going to be motion picture, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, I, I just dove into photography a lot more in college in a way that I didn't previously because I, I was learning from people who were teaching me what you can say with art yeah. and that it's not just about making something aesthetically pleasing, but it's about communicating with your viewer and it's about having something to say. And I had the, the privilege of, of learning from really great artists um, like Gregory Crudson, who, who truly creates film stills with with a full crew and you know he's he's a still cinematographer you know Mm -hmm. and um learning from people like that helped to expand my idea of what an artist was and got me interested in doing that myself um and so this was at the time when i was starting to really notice uh the technical artistry of things that I hadn't focused on so much previously, uh, when I didn't have as deep of a, of an interest. Um, and, and I also, you know, watching this time around sort of knowing, um, Kevin Spacey's, uh, sort of accusations, it, it was a different viewing. Mm -hmm. Um, previously, you know, I thought, I thought it was very interesting the way that that his infatuation with this child was portrayed um, and that I do I do did think it was very interesting the way that um, his relationship with that infatuation suddenly changes when she says this this is my first time and he realizes she's a little girl yeah. and that's a thing that he's been blocking the entire time um, and sort of watching it this time um, you know, it, it definitely is layered with that, um, with knowing know, real life yeah. knowing, yeah. yeah. Um, which makes it a bit, a bit more complicated and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, as you said, a, a really incredible performance nonetheless. And, and, you know, whatever one's value judgments may be upon him as a person, he clearly is quite a tremendous performer. Um, and very compelling. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and just, man, Conrad Hall just (laughs) really knocks it out of the park, you know, um, really. And and I think an, an incredible decision, uh, to choose him as the cinematographer for this film, um, because of, of what, what that, that offered and, um, how it uplifted the movie as a whole and, and um, supported a relatively inexperienced yeah, uh, I, motion picture director at I, the time. I, right? I agree. I, I don't think this movie would have been half as good if it would have been for, 
for Conrad Hall. I mean, yeah. you have you have a a director who comes from theater. So yes. he's basically learning as he goes right. while he's making this movie and he's I mean, to my understanding, he was basically relying on Conrad Hall to to kind of guide him through through all of this. Um yeah. and they they storyboarded this entire movie together. Um and it shows. It shows, yeah. it definitely shows. Um so speaking of photography, that same year, like we we've talked before about this, but that same year I started taking photography classes as well in college and and I became enthralled with cinematography. Mm. I I just couldn't get enough of it. I I I thought that I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I didn't even know what I was saying. That that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um cuz I was realizing that these these guys are basically painting with light. Mm -hmm. Right? Um so you're painting each frame with light or lack thereof, right? Right. Um and this is one of the reasons I I I wanted to bring you in here because you are a cinematographer and and I wanted to 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 get your perspective um mm -hmm. like 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 I just said you know Sam Mendes surrounds himself he, he this time around he surrounded himself with Conrad Hall and his team and for 1917 he got Roger Deakins mm -hmm. um which has worked with him in every movie after Conrad Hall passed away um I think except one, but the rest has, has been Roger Deakins. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm telling you, I, I was obsessed with how Conrad Hall did this. Um, mm. He's a maestro behind the camera. Um, mm -hmm. all, the, all the subtle lighting on Jane's face, the, the, the mm -hmm. highlights on those roses, mm -hmm. it's that w which is basically spread out throughout the entire movie. Um, yeah. the way that Frank Fitz disappears into the rain after kissing Lester, mm. the framing of Ricky rolling a blunt for Lester while he's lying on his back, but from the outside it looks like Ricky's giving Lester a BJ. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I. It's. I don't know. For me at that time, I. I. It was just mind blowing. I didn't. I was just realizing that you could do all this with movies yeah um so um so sam mendes he surrounded himself with good people like conrad hall um so let's talk a little bit about the direction because i think coming from a theater background he works great with actors uh mm -hmm. he, he, he's able to extract this performance um that m not many people are able to do yeah. and he plays well with the sets as well he's he's very comfortable with having actors just interact with within a space um mm -hmm. i'm thinking about that scene where where lester uh where, where um, carolyn confronts lester about buying a mustang and mm -hmm. he's on a couch and he's drinking beer and this entire scene happens in this single space but the way the the way they interact with each other they're not facing each other and then they're facing each other they stand up and then they lean against the couch subtle things like that the framing the coming in closer to them um i i think i think it was it was 
one of the greatest uh, debuts as a film director. Um, He also uses space really well Mm because this movie takes place a lot of the times inside houses. So you get a bunch of limited spaces where you have Mm -hmm. a wall in front and a wall in the back, but you're looking through the door frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that highlights or that's that emphasizes the separation of each character and how how depending on on the point in the story their moods or how they're feeling towards each other um, and uh, the other thing is that the camera hardly moves in this movie yeah. it's a pretty static movie but when it does move you feel it right um Especially at the end, when when you have Lester going through his entire life, you have the camera basically moving from left to right in in a montage, and every single scene has the camera just moving like mm-hmm. this, even if it's in the past or the present, um, and you feel it, you feel it, because this camera mm-hmm. has been so static for the entire movie that uh, it kind of it, it it changes the entire flow. Of, of the end I agree it's it's really interesting that it's such a static film I think the the successful blocking is part of what makes that work that, that so many of the shots are static um, the performances are just tremendous not not a bad performance in the film which is really remarkable and you know you have Allison Janney who doesn't say more than a handful of words and is still Allison Janney you know and um, just Pan standing Chris there, Cooper just, just looking at uh, just looking yeah. at the emptiness. She's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Chris Cooper just always just nails it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but um, in terms of the camera movements, it it makes me think a lot of the idea of I I don't know if you remember um, Norm Holland's lean forward moment. Oh, absolutely. Idea yeah. from the from film editing that that it's that very decisive creating a change at a moment to signal that something important yes. has happened or is happening now. Um and you know because so much of the so many of the shots are static that the one shot that always um stands out in my memory that is moving is that very, very slow push in on the family eating dinner mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the incredible amount of tension that that builds and shows you just how strained their relationships are just by that very, very slow creep in on this incredibly awkward dinner scene. Um, also the staging there you have mm-hmm. these two, um, the the married couple but they're they're sitting at at opposite sides of the table literally at odds with each other and you have the girl in the middle and the roses the red roses Mm -hmm. right smack in the middle as well yeah it's fantastic love it yeah yeah all right any other thoughts on this movie before we move Um, on the the only other thought that i have sort of ties into your your um, mentioning of the way Carolyn is treated. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing that, that I think my only complaint with the whole movie is that I, know, I would know, love for her character to be a little more rounded out. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that I, I get her a little more. I agree. I think um, I think watching it through this time around, that kind of bumped me. It kind of mm. bumped me. It felt like she's. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't feel like she was fairly treated in the script. Mm-hmm. In the script level. Yes, it's not, in it's the not her performance. Uh, no. It's just the script. She's great. Um, it's too one-sided, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, Lester is a terrible human being. Right. <laughs> but he also treats her like crap. I mean, he she right. treats him like crap, but he, he does the same. It goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... Yeah. He's taking revenge against her, and uh, wh- whatever. I already said this, but <laughs> it, it, it was it, it definitely bumped me this time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if you have nothing else to say, let's move on to 1917. Okay. So here's a brief synopsis from IMDb. As a regiment assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory, two soldiers are assigned to race against time and deliver a message that will stop 1,600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. Leonora, without any spoilers, what are your thoughts on this movie? Um, For anyone who doesn't know, uh, the idea behind the shooting of this film was to make it appear to be uh, a single continuous shot, mm-hmm. um, which if anybody's tried to do a single continuous shot for even three or four minutes, you can only imagine how hard it would be yes. to do this in uh, a several hours. Um, it's really a remarkable technical feat. Um, and I couldn't take my brain out of that for the first probably third of the film yes uh which is what i was i was fixated on that and i i do think that maybe some of the other crafts didn't get quite as much uh attention as they deserved at the very beginning Mm -hmm. um particularly the acting there were moments where i felt the actors could maybe use another take um but uh man they really pulled it together and by halfway through the film i was in it and um what uh what a remarkable accomplishment it is it's it's really phenomenal all right so my thoughts on the movie i really enjoyed it (laughs) Um, I was constantly in awe while I was watching the movie Uh, as I I, like you I was I was taking in all this all all of these images and thinking how are these guys pulling this off logistically Mm -hmm. because I'm thinking there where, where where is the camera Okay, because the camera is either handheld or it's on a dolly or it's on a jib. It's so so many different terrains. Mm-hmm. So so where is the camera now at this precise moment? Where is it? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking, how are they getting all these people inside these trenches now? How are, how is this guy here now? And then a couple minutes later, there's another guy there. 
it's just all of this logistical stuff I'm thinking about while I'm watching this movie. Um, I think the performances are pretty good, um, especially towards uh, the end. Um, mm -hmm. I I did miss. Um, oh no, that's too spoilery. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the performances I felt were subtle. Um, some were understated, which is mm -hmm. good. Um, powerful. Uh, the VFX were great because yeah. you barely notice them. Mm -hmm. uh, the production design is spectacular. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, when I w when I came out of the movie, the first thing I texted my wife was, "This movie has." A production design that I I cannot fathom. Hmm. Um, but let's face it, you know the yeah. real hero here is the cinematography. I mean, I, I it it feels and looks gorgeous, and I'm not saying that war is gorgeous or anything like that. But the way the film was shot and how this terrible episode in 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 history is depicted, you you know you feel these you feel these scenes as if you're living them. If, mm -hmm. as if you're with with these characters um and part of this is because the world is so well realized that you get you get immersed from the get-go mm -hmm. um unless you're leonora or me who are thinking <laughs> technically <laughs> we're thinking how did they get all these different places at the same stop this is amazing <laughs> but you know also the, the the fact that this is made to look like one single take it, it also contributes to this feeling um mm -hmm. roger deakins who's worked with with mendes like i said uh after conrad hall passed away his his um his light bending techniques. He's he's another maestro, um, and he's he's done wonderful cinematic experiences like Blade Runner twenty forty nine or Skyfall. The the entire Coen Brothers filmography. Um, anyway, he's great, and you know it's 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 no different here in this in this movie because he brings his A game. We have scenes in broad daylight, at night, in shadows, with fire, yeah. and it all looks seamless. Um, and, and, you know, you marry this with impeccable camera work. Like I said, it had me in awe. Yeah. Um, Particularly, I think the camera transfers going from one like clearly they had to go from one operator to a, mm -hmm. to another they yep. needed to go from a different one tool to another to create some of the seamless shots probably many of them probably many more than i even noticed but the transfers being so smooth and seamless was yeah. really phenomenal yeah now um i did find that the one shot thing was a bit distracting for me mm -hmm. um you know, when you do this, you have to find a way for the for the camera to move and and, and show what you want the audience to see. Uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes this feels a little forced in the movie. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I don't want to go into specifics because it's kind of spoilery, but there are instances where the camera has to move to see a character's face um, or something that's off camera, maybe. And it just feels a little inorganic for me that mm -hmm. the camera's in one place and then it kind of has to do this 180 to show you the other side or the reverse. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird. But, you know, it's the nature of the beast if you're doing a single continuous shot. Um, and, you know, I'm not going as far as saying that this is a gimmick because I do believe that it kind of pulls you into the world and makes you feel like you're going through this adventure with those characters. But, in, in, you know, and this is very personal to me. I like movies when they have cuts. I'm sorry. I like <laughs> cuts. It's a convention that I associate with cinema. And mm -hmm. uh, there are moments where it feels exhilarating when the camera just keeps going and going without cutting. But then my mind starts wandering off and thinking, why are we not cutting? And, mm -hmm. and you know, I get a little bit anxious with the story not moving along at a better pace. And, and, and again, this is very personal to me. Um, so I felt, I felt that anxiousness sometimes during the film. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that it it could have. I think that overall the story would have benefited from a cut. Yeah. Occasionally. And and yeah. And speaking of the story, there's another issue that I have with this movie, and that's the script, which I didn't find particularly interesting. I mean, you know, the core of it was interesting, but the 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 meat within mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was okay. It was mm -hmm. okay. It's not nothing particularly stood out to me about the story that made it super uber great um all in all i think it's a great technical cinematic achievement yeah which had me floored for much of the time but also had me questioning its decisions along the way so i say go see it if not for the story go for the ride because i think it's it's a pretty wild ride All right. Any any other thoughts before we we talk about spoilers here? I think it's time for spoilers. Okay, let's do spoilers. <laughs> here we go. Specifically, the acting moments that I that I referred to that didn't quite work were at the very beginning mm -hmm. in the trenches. Um, I felt like there were a few important beats that were missing as the young men were getting going. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a little bit of tension building between them about um, actually taking on this uh, task and, and having sort of, an, you know, Schofield, I think, was the, the friend, right? Yeah. Um, kind of ending up inadvertently on this very dangerous mission that mm -hmm. he's not super excited about. And I felt like there were a couple places there where I've, I just felt that the, the actors could have used a little more time to work with it and really get that relationship solid and get those beats to be really compelling. And for that reason, it took me a while to invest. I think, you know, I finally invested in the scene where um, the... Blake uh, dies. Okay. Um, and that that scene really got me, particularly because I think they use the device of he dies because he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he goes to save the German soldier and then the German soldier yeah. kills him. And right. so I think that really helped 
um, hook me. And, um, I did, I did like them both. I, I did, um, think they were both very good. Uh, but I did have a similar problem that I had with marriage story in that I never completely invested in them as characters. Mm. Um, I never completely believed their world and thus I didn't feel like they were people that I cared about. I felt like they were actors representing something Got it. that was meaningful and emotionally impactful. And so, yes, I was crying at the end of the movie <laughs> for all these men dying but it was crying for all these men dying as representative of this world we live in where we have these horrors of war Mm -hmm. and where you know over and over again for generations young men of a lower class are called out to die mostly for the enrichment of people of of an upper class and and to me that that was the intense sadness of it Mm -hmm. um which isn't to say that I didn't think the performances were good, but I didn't I didn't quite grab them, grab onto them as characters. Sort of in contrast to um, American Beauty, where all of them are just so believable as those people. And even though they're famous people that you know apart from these roles, mm-hmm. they're still so compelling in the reality of that character. And this film didn't have that for me. And I... I did wonder if the device got in the way a little bit. I, I sus- that yeah, I think so. That's that's how I yeah. felt. Um, yeah, I I agree. I think I think I I latched onto their relationship when when that uh, when they had the cave in. Mm-hmm. So right after that, um, I think that's when they when that relationship kind of hooked me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because that scene is so. F- it's so frenetic and Mm -hmm. you think one of them is dead but then he's Mm -hmm. not and they have to kind of tag team it because one of them is blind and they have to kind of get out of there together so that that entire thing um kind of pulled that entire relationship for me together uh Mm -hmm. maybe a little too late and and again i i I agree with you that it could have benefited from some cuts and some more takes in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is you're kind of thrown into this adventure in the beginning. So you, you don't even know who these characters are. Right. Um, you don't even know who the protagonist is. Uh, in the beginning, you don't even right. know where the story is going. Right. Uh, so so that, could, that could also influence the way you feel about their relationship in the beginning. At the beginning, I also felt like the misdirect of the protagonist, thinking the protagonist is the one that's going to die, mm-hmm. um, was so heavy-handed that I felt a bit <laughs> overly manipulated by it. You know, it was just yeah. sort of like, okay, you're trying to make me nervous that this guy's going to die, and you know, and now he's got this gash in his hand, and which I viscerally responded to. That was so painful for me personally. Not only does he have a gash, um, he inserts that gash inside a, a rotting body. corpse yeah <laughs> just like ah uh, just <laughs> but that that intense setup of you really think this guy's gonna die because he helped out his friend mm-hmm. um and then i th- i honestly think having the friend then be the one that died 
uh, and letting go of that very heavy, heavy handed misdirect helped me too, mm-hmm. because I think I felt so strongly the emotional manipulation there yeah. that it, it just, uh, it didn't, f- it, it separated me from the story a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So for me also the script is, it sometimes felt like Armageddon. <laughs> um it's like uh uh how do you say uh, it's uh, Murphy's law. It's like you're watching mm-hmm. a movie about Murphy's law where everything mm-hmm. that's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. Right. Um th- so these guys just couldn't catch a break and that's that felt um I don't know. Too Armageddon for me. <laughs> <laughs> um and the uh, the character of Schofield, you know, he has to manage the story the rest of the way, um, and there are some awesome scenes, especially when he's running through through the ruins and and you see those uh, the yellow orange flare uh, flares. Yeah, yeah. I I think that scene was I mean, uh, really because at first you don't even know what's going on, and when it's mm-hmm. dark, it's dark. You, you can barely see anything. But then this right. flare goes up and you see all the shadows and the, then the shadows move when the light comes. It's, it was just an awe. I was just in awe mm-hmm. just watching that. Yeah. Um, but by and the those end, ruins. I, I know. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. And he's running yeah. through those ruins when it's completely dark. So you don't even know if he's going to trip or, or, or what. And then the flares yeah. go up and then you see where he's going and then they go out and you don't see anything. It was great. Um, but at, at, at the end, I kind of felt like we needed a little bit more conflict, um, with, uh, what's this, with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, cause I think he was convinced right away. I mean, he does take mm-hmm. a little, and he, he kind of, I don't know. It's maybe like 30 seconds where he says no. And then, okay, all right, we'll do it. And we're set up to expect that he's going to be yeah, r- resistant exactly. Exactly. earlier in the film. Exactly. And then he actually turns out to be a totally decent leader. And as soon as he realizes that it's true, he saves the troops, right? And you're, you're th- <laughs> expecting him to be this jerk who's just going to sacrifice the kids for his own right. uh, perceived laurels. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And then it, it doesn't realize, it doesn't resolve. Um, and I think that's part of the disappointment of the lack of conflict there, that mm-hmm. it's just sort of like, well, we're yeah. set up for a conflict and then we didn't get one. <laughs> right, right. And, and I know these are nitpicks. So yes, to our yes, listeners, absolutely. you know, take my comments with a grain of salt because I know <laughs> a lot of people love this movie. Um, and I, I, I like it. I really, really like it. It's just those little things kind of bumped me as well um Mm -hmm. so the vfx like i said before i think were great because we didn't see them uh especially the transitions because i read that they they went for maybe six minute takes and then they stopped Mm. and then they did another one so some of the transitions they had to they had to digitally stitch face to face, which is incredible. Wow. Yeah. 
I didn't know that. Um, the entire river scene, I think, was was done in a. Uh, I think where they practice uh, white rafting or something like that, mm-hmm. and they just either green or blue screened everything, and looks like a entire right. river. Um, Blake's face when he dies changes from white to pale, or what? Right. I don't know. From it gets bluish. Pink, it gets a bluish tint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so th- it has a bunch of VFX that you can barely see. Obviously, yeah. you have explosions and um, that that uh, that scene where the where the where the airplane comes in. Mm-hmm. So great because yeah. you see it from afar and then it just crashes into into all the uh, way in. Yeah. Uh, so all of that I think was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then you have the cinematography which uh was great you have here you have a, a camera that's constantly moving as opposed to the camera in american beauty which mm-hmm. i found really interesting uh the camera here is basically moving the entire time because these characters are moving the entire time mm-hmm. and it just it's fo- it kind of feels like and i've read this in other places it kind of feels like a like a video game a first person mm-hmm. shooter where you're behind your character um, I think it's a lot more cinematic than a video game, um, <laughs> but it did kind of kind of remind me of that as well. Um, but here, the cinematography, uh, as opposed to American Beauty, y- you don't have these limited spaces that you have inside houses um, or inside bedrooms because you're outside. Your mm-hmm. your space is limited by nature, basically. Um, yeah maybe trees or 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 mountains um but in american beauty you have you have this almost surreal feel to it uh the lighting is is foggy when it's a dream in a dream mm-hmm. um you have you have those bright red rose petals very saturated cuz most of the movie is the colors are muted in american beauty except mm-hmm. for those flowers the red the the red and the roses the red and the lipsticks the red and the blood those are all very saturated and and in 1917 cinematography cinematography is more grounded you have um earthy colors at night like we said when it's dark it's dark and they find clever ways of getting around this the space because they do run into limited space eventually like i said they go into Mm -hmm. a into a sort of a cave. Um, anyway, 1917, more true to life than American Beauty. <laughs> um, how do you feel about the production design? Because I, I raved about the production design. What about you? Yeah, um, I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was really incredible. There were a few places where um, the the bodies or the wounds didn't quite work for me at the very beginning again it was at the very beginning and Mm -hmm. then you know by a little way into it i was at first i thought about that but then i said i've never seen a dead body Mm -hmm. so i don't know i I don't know if that's what they look like but (laughs) i get get what you're saying keep going keep going I mean, other than that, I can't think of a single negative thing to say about it. You know, it was it was a really big feat. And also, you know, the amount 
of production design that needed to be so carefully planned out and thought about, you know, you, you think a lot about the camera operators having to choreograph and the actors having to choreograph and everybody having to get their marks so that, you know, figuring out where everyone's going to be. And yes. that choreography is very present. And I think it's easy to lose track of the, the production designer's involvement in that mm -hmm. choreography and the production design is actually such an integral part of that, that choreography, even things where there's fallen trees or there is a dead body that they need to step over um, and just how everything's laid out. And I think that it makes the production design even more challenging when you have a big open space like that. I mean, trying to fill that amount of space, it's so vast mm -hmm. and deciding what to fill and what to leave empty and having to populate just these giant battlefields. Um, it's, it's really also quite an incredible accomplishment. Um, and the, I think that the, the small spaces that were, that did exist, you know, the, the bunker that they discover and the basement of the church um, are just as, kind of remarkably handled as the large open spaces and they have their own really distinctive feels um you know the down to the old dresser that the little baby is lying in mm -hmm. you know it's just like it's it's just such really tremendous decision making and and artistry and yeah i i thought it was really remarkable and I can't imagine having to fill that <laughs> giant, mm. giant space, you know. Um, and f yeah, digging all, all those the trenches. Digging all the trenches, filling them with water, getting through that space, you know. Um, just, man, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely agree. Um, and... Uh, I think the direction was great here as well. We haven't spoken much about the direction, but it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, especially with the camera movement, because I think there's sort of a dance between the camera and the actors constantly. Yeah. And just that choreography, like you were saying, um, goes hand in hand with production design, camera people, the director, the actors. It's just... It's a beautiful dance, mm -hmm. beautiful dance, and they pulled it off. So, yeah. all right. So, any final thoughts? Another thing that we didn't talk about that I thought was kind of interesting was the cherry blossoms as this representation of life. Mm. Um, you know, I think when they had all the cherry trees, there was some comment about, oh, well, they'll come back, they'll right. grow back, yeah. even though they're all destroyed. Um, and then the little blossoms that, that sort of cue to Schofield that he's at the end of his journey, that he's gotten there um, when he's lying in the river. Um, well, and I thought that was interesting as a parallel to the rose petals. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Um, when, I, when I saw that, um, I remember thinking, so, so uh, Blake, was, Blake was the guy who told him about the cherry blossoms, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw it sort of a sort of a sign, a guide. So mm -hmm. as if Blake was and this is me going more metaphysical than <laughs> anything. But um 
but yeah that's that's this is where you have to be this is the end of your journey and mm. the people you're looking for are here yeah all right uh anything else i think that's it all right cool so um you have do you have anything else uh that that you'd like to kind of Say, hey, catch this, watch this. You can go to Leonora Makes Pictures and look for my headshot sales. Okay. There'll be one coming up. Sweet. So there you go. Go to LeonoraMakesPictures.com and uh, search for her uh, her sales. That's awesome. All right. So that's going to be it for us today. Leonora, where can people find you and your work on social media? Um, I'm at Leonora Makes Pictures on Instagram and also Leonora Makes Movies on Instagram. All right. Um, and my websites for motion picture and still photography are the same. All right. Sweet. And you can find us on Twitter at Media Review Pod. That's Media R-E-V-U-E Pod. And you can send us emails with questions, comments, and suggestions to mediareviewpod at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail message by calling 407-603-5847. And please don't forget to subscribe to our feed and rate and review the pod with five beautiful, awesome stars. Leonora, this was great. Thank you again for joining us again. Um, Thank you so much for having me. And I hope you come back please please I well really i hope you ask me back oh i will i definitely <laughs> will um because i i really enjoy your conversations um and if you have something that you'd like to talk about at any time please just feel free to give me a buzz and say hey this would be fun to talk about and i'll just uh put it in the schedule and we'll do it great all right and if you haven't seen these movies go watch them give them a try American Beauty you can find on Netflix and 1917 is currently in cinemas. And to our audience out there, make something. Express it. Live it. Feel it. But please, please, don't forget to breathe. Till next time, have a good one. Mm -hmm.